see an inspiring design of an orderly finished building? You can be sure blueprints were carefully dreamed and plainly drawn. You can count on that. Blueprints. Everybody say blueprints. But not only were they carefully dreamed and plainly drawn, but they're faithfully applied. No doubt they were referenced constantly through the building process. So the process of structural building requires a credible, everybody say credible, authoritative, everybody say authoritative, functional, everybody say functional. Hey, isn't it good to be a part of a functional experience with God? It's not just pie in the sky and it's not just a not just a story or a metaphor. It's functional. I want to be I want to love my Bible so much that I say this this text I, I want to be I want to be faithful to the text, but the text is functional for today. Your Bible will be functional for you if you take it and you let it be. Anyway, when it comes to these these blueprints, this functional point of reference is for all skills and all disciplines of work to come together to reference this blueprint and to participate in a coordinated fashion. So a blueprint is a point of reference for lots of unrelated, disparate jobs and projects to be completed in a harmonious way. There's no way the carpet layer has to know what's going on with the building's foundation and engineering of the structure, right? Do you think the painters are worried about exactly how the pipes of the plumbing go in the, the building? They're all completely unrelated jobs, but it comes into what's called a blueprint. So we're going to talk more about a New Testament church and the blueprint that you need to watch for to be a part of the building that God is doing. Amen? Somebody say amen. Somebody left their iPad up here. Somebody left their phone up here, but I do have something that, some, that somebody left on purpose. Look at that, a baptism certificate. Y'all wanna see who just got baptized? Can I invite Sister Jeanette Birch up to receive her baptism certificate? We're so thankful for the baptism, the way the Holy Ghost, the way the Holy Ghost moved in that baptism. Let's take a quick picture, Jeanette, with you so on. Excited about what so thankful. This is Jeanette. It's better, better. Sister Sherry Morphus, would you stand up, Sister Sherry? This is Sherry right here, who's bringing Jeanette to church. Now, Sh Sherry Morphus there with the lovely hoary head. Did you know that's what the King James Version says about your hair color? H-O-A-R-Y, it's gray hair. It means wisdom, it means age and experience. But Sister, Sister Sherry has got all of her neighbors talking about how much Jesus is shining through her. And Jeanette's yet another. Thank you, Sister Sherry, God bless you. So when we are busy trying to do our best to be a part of what God is building, we really do need to get excited about the blueprint, because we can build all day long and if we're missing a blueprint, we will all build our own idea of what the carpet should look like, but it probably won't end up squaring up with the walls very well if we haven't a blueprint. We must have a blueprint. Let me just give you a quick little uh, run through some pictures. Y'all ready on the big screen? Maybe we could dim the lights a little bit and take a look at the blueprint on the left. 
the, the artist's rendering, and then the actual building on the right. Let's start with that one, the Empire State Building. Before it was built, before it was a reality, somebody had to draw the picture. You see that on the left? That's the blueprint. And on the right is the reality. Next picture, Freedom Tower, New York. Blueprint on the left. Actual building on the right. Without a blueprint, there would be no Freedom Tower. Okay, next. All right, the Burg, Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Tallest building in the world. There's gotta be a blueprint, a render, rendering by an artist and an architect on the left before there's actually the building that is in existence on the right. Everybody who's ever been and seen this building with their own eyes, would you please stand up real high and stand up real quick and wave? Oh, come on, brother and sister Roy. I know you guys don't want to stand up. We love our the Roy family. I knew you guys have seen this before. Dubai. In fact, in fact, Sister Raina, is she here today? Raina is, uh, is visiting from Dubai, Brother Errol's sister. And anyway, there you go. Tallest building in the world. Without a blueprint, there would be no reality. And now, drum roll. No one's on the drums. But the drum roll. More important than all of those buildings. Watch this. Are you ready? Boom. Check this out. You see a blueprint faded in the background on the left, and we have the church on the right. Praise God for the body of Christ, shaped in the image and after a symbolic outline of the cross of Jesus Christ. We are his body. And if we're going to be his building, it is of utmost importance that we follow his blueprint. And you say amen? amen? Without a blueprint, we will all be building different things and have different ideas and we will never come together. But let me just show you some scriptures, okay? Now, wait, 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 wait. Before, before we go any forward, let me just show you what the blueprint is, all right? This blueprint is found in Hebrews 6, 1 and verse 2. Hebrews 6, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation, here it is, of repentance from dead works. Okay, you can just go back to the picture. I'll read this, okay? Foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So far, we've been through the first three. Today, we're going to dive into the fourth one laying on of hands. Okay? Lord willing, in Sundays to come, we'll do resurrection. That's going to be exciting. How many of you love seeing dry bones come to life? <laughs> Woo! Resurrection. How about Easter? We're, we're not going to wait till Easter, but I'm going to pre preach that just real soon here in a little, little few weeks. And then, then judgment. Judgment. Judgment is a fearful thing for those who are not ready, but it is an incredibly rewarding thing for those who are. Those who have made, those who have, those who have literally put their sins ahead through living for God now, proactively. It's kind of like paying it forward. When you've done that, judgment literally has already taken place for you. I can't wait to teach about judgment. Now, why? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, why? I'm going to tell you why. It's because the Bible says that once we have laid these foundational elements down and the blueprint is done, it says, let us then go on to perfection. Anybody here want to go on to perfection? 
So here's what I'm praying about. This fall, I would like to get into a new series that is found, founded on what I've been teaching since we started this whole series. And it's about unrealized potential for every one of God's people. Unrealized potential. That's what perfection is about. Let us go on to perfection. How many of you are already perfect? God bless you. You can go ahead and save a table for me at the restaurant I'm going to today because you're so perfect you already know what restaurant it is. And that restaurant would happen to be the dining room. See? So I guess there's no perfect people here. Any perfect people? Anybody ever heard this before? If you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it. Let us go on to perfection. What in the world does that mean? We can't. We shouldn't. It would be, I believe it would be dishonest scripturally if I were to jump into perfection and unrealized potential and preaching about that without carefully making sure we have the blueprint in place first. So I'm excited about unrealized potential. Because if you break that word down, potential, it has the word potent in it. And potent has everything to do with power. Is there unrealized power in any of us? I have a feeling. Brother Dan, you mentioned it. You, you had people stopping in the middle of the week to pray over some, some need. Why? Probably wouldn't have done it without the message last Sunday. What if? Unrealized potential happens every day, every minute of our lives. Unrealized potential. We're going to go on to that. In Jesus' name, God helping us, that will be one of our fall of the year series, uh, the Lord directing in Jesus' name. So, how many of you can remember hearing someone preach or teach a message about the laying on of hands, and the entire message was about laying on of hands, from A to Z, beginning to end? Anybody remember? Laying on of hands, the whole thing? It's, it's usually quickly brushed over. And I almost did that. I almost did that today. But I decided, no, no, no. It would make it seem less important than the other five parts of the foundation and the other five parts of the blueprint. So I'm going to do the whole, this whole day until 3 p.m. We're going to, no, just kidding. We're not going to go till 3 Just, it's actually short. That's why I'm kind of taking my time. We don't have a lot of material to cover, but it is essential. I would like to have quick depth, okay? Not long shallowness. Quick depth. Y'all ready? Anybody into quick depth? Go for it. Get it done. Get it settled. Laying on of hands. What in the world is laying on of hands doing in the middle of the blueprint? Isn't that just sort of a side thing? Because, I mean, honestly, it's just so easy just to... Come up here, precious little Randall. Come on up here. It's so easy just to... Come on up here. It's just so easy to go about our lives and... Now... Brother Sadler, would you want to come up here and let me do that to you? <laughs> Randall, you don't mind if I do that, do you? Not really. <laughs> See, he's just at the age to be out of Sunday school. So if he were even younger, he probably wouldn't care. But as he gets older, just like us other men in the church, it means something for somebody to pat you on the head. Oh, come on, don't you tell me it don't. It means something. Randall, 
siren. Thank you, you can be seated. Bottom line here is laying on of hands is important. Does somebody get a picture of that? I didn't catch, was that a gang sign or something? I missed that. Oh, okay, see, that's what they're teaching them in Sunday school these days. I'm saying all that because we have our wonderful Sunday school pastors and wife, pastor and wife here, brother, brother Bird and Sister Bird doing a great job in Sunday school. Praise God. So glad you guys are here. It speaks well of ministries, doesn't it, when you have, uh, when you have enough of a team to, to get the, the, the heads to be involved in worship services. All right, so watch this. Watch this. Everybody together. The Bible, is, this is Ephesians 2 and verse, uh, let's not read that one. That'll take too long. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1, 6, okay? 2 Timothy 1, 6. Therefore, I remind you, Timothy, in the middle of your adversity, in the middle of trials and tribulations and struggles, I remind you, Paul is speaking to his son in the gospel, Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the what? Laying on of my hands. And guess what he says after that? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Something about the reminder to young man Timothy by the old man Paul. I laid hands on you, and when I laid hands on you, something happened that was a focus of your faith. And don't you ever forget that moment in time when you had hands laid upon you. Something very important there. I hope it starts to become clear why we have a blueprint. Now, I want to back up and say, if you are new to Calvary today, or you are simply looking for a church, you want to be sure it is a New Testament church. It is a real, pure, apostolic church. Apostolic means the apostles were the speakers. They were the ones who were the envisioners. They were the ones who laid the foundation. If you want to be a part of a church that is authentic and genuine, make sure that the blueprint is a New Testament church blueprint. Repentance from dead works. We've already been through that. Right? Faith in, faith toward God. We already went over that. We talked very much at length about baptisms, right? And now today, laying on of hands. This is a church where you can count on us understanding the need for laying on of hands. Perhaps it's it's unfamiliar to some of you. Perhaps it's a little strange. Can I just tell you there's nothing magical about laying on of hands? There's nothing like that. It is powerfully symbolic, and it is a focus of faith. You're going to hear me say that over and over. A focus of faith. Let's keep going. These signs shall follow them them who are believers. What are the signs? What are the points of consequence or results of being a believer? Well, the Bible says they shall take up serpents, Mark 16, 18. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And what does it say? The last phrase after no means hurt them. They, can you read it with me? They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those who believe. 
This is not talking about people who are ordained and have clergy placards in their car hanging on their rearview mirror. This is for those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So let's, let's hope it kind of becomes a dawning upon us why laying on of hands is a blueprint portion and a blueprint element to a New Testament church. This is so awesome, guys. I'm so excited to get this into your hearts and minds if you'll listen closely. Let, let's just start with Jesus. Jesus' most common practice in healing is touch. Stop and think about that. Touch. Often described as laying his hands on people. And he lays hands on the one who is sick. The one who's needing to be healed. I have one, two, three, four, five, six verses to prove that. But how many of you are okay to say, we believe you, Pastor? Jesus laid his hands on the people to be healed. And that's not all. Jesus lays his hands on the little children who come to him, remember? To bless them. To comfort them and to do something. What in the world is he doing laying his hands on children? You know why he, the Bible says to bless them. So let's just talk about this for a minute. This has been churning in my spirit for weeks now. Whether or not I should make this an entire Sunday because this is prime time for us to hear the word of God. Why should I make laying on of hands an important aspect? Well, I'm going to do it because the Bible makes it an important point. So I've just got to tell you, I want to back up right now and go to the prophecy that was made in the Old Testament in Isaiah 61. We are not going to look at it, but can I just tell you in Isaiah 61, the prophecy looking forward to Jesus' presence and his ministry said that he would come with a purpose to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. It's what Jesus came to do. He came to heal. He came to liberate. It was his purpose. And it is still his will today. Think about this for a minute. How many stories in the life of Jesus Christ, how many scenes in Jesus' life involve healing? Healing. The Gospels record 37 miracles that Jesus performed. 37. There will be a test. 37. 37 miracles. How many of those were healing? Well, break it down a little bit. Five of them were to provide. Remember he broke the bread and the fish and fed 5,000. Remember there was gold piece in a fish's mouth. Like that, there were five. Five of them that were provisioning. There were four miracles that altered the course of nature. When he turned water to wine, he calmed the sea, he walked on water, and he withered the fig tree. Four of those. There were three that Jesus provided deliverance from demonic forces. But 22 times it speaks of Jesus healing people. 
One of them was ten lepers. Another was the healing of a multitude of sick people in a city called Genesaret. Another was a healing many sick people in Capernaum. Twenty-two of them. And these are just what got recorded. Do you all remember John said in his book that right at the very end, he said, if all the things Jesus did were written in a book, the entire cosmos could not contain the books that would be written. But listen, of all that is recorded of Jesus' miracles, nearly two-thirds of his miracles, over two-thirds, if you add in the miracles of deliverance and resurrections, they involved healing. Two-thirds. Jesus didn't heal all these people because he had to, because he was obligated to. He did it because he wanted to. I'm here to tell somebody right now that if he heals you and when he heals you, it is because he wants to. It is because it is his plan and his purpose. I'm not saying Jesus will heal everyone. No, no, no. Even in his own lifetime, folks, he walked into a, a place called the Pool of Bethesda, and there were many sick people there. It's only recorded that he healed one of them, a man that was lame from his birth. But there's this divine willingness that is there. He desires to heal. One story of his healing is found in the three synoptic gospels. You know the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all kind of have this synonymousness about them with the stories and with the timeline. Well, those are called synoptic. And, and in those books, those, those gospels, there's one story of, a, of Jesus Christ grabbing a hold of an opportunity to prove healing power. Watch this. I want everybody to see this. It's the leper. I love the way that Mark coalesces so many miraculous works in this opening chapter of Mark. You read that first book of, that, that first chapter of Mark, there's a lot of stuff happening there. But watch this, Mark 1.39, he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, begging him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. I feel some compassion in the Holy Ghost today for somebody here. Jesus was moved with compassion. What did he do? Everybody look at it. Can you read it with me? What did he do? He stretched out his hand and touched him. And he said, I am willing be cleansed as soon as he had spoken immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed the point here is you and i if we're willing so is he hallelujah if you are willing so is he if anybody has a need, anybody has a situation or a circumstance that is in need today, we have a God who says, if you're willing, I am willing. Some of us just want to take it with us, but there are others who say, I am willing to leave it. I am willing to drop it off. I am willing to put my burdens down, and I'm willing to walk away with my hands dusted off and my shoulders lifted and the burden gone. I'm so ready. And if you are willing, I'm going to tell you here today, so is he. Hallelujah. So, Jesus, his life on this earth in a physical body is over. And remember, he ascends into heaven. 
He goes away on a cloud. But what happens is his disciples and his apostles become his hands. His body is still here. And now they, like their Lord, they heal with touch. Ananias is a guy in the New Testament who was called by God to lay his hands on Saul three days after the Damascus Road encounter. And what's that all about? Well, Saul was a guy who was making life miserable for Christians, people who believed in Jesus Christ. And God said, no more. I'm going to call this guy Saul into a new ministry. And so he got his attention on a Damascus road. He struck him to the point where he fell to the ground and he was blinded. And God told Ananias, a wonderful Christian believer, an apostolic gentleman in the, in, the, in the town called Damascus, he said, go to him and lay your hands on Paul. And sure enough, when he did, the scales of blindness fell off of his eyes and he was a brand new man because of Ananias' obedience and willingness to do what? Lay his hands on Paul, of course. And then guess what? Paul, in turn, his hands become channels of extraordinary miracles, including laying hands on a sick man on the little island of Malta to heal him. Wow, do y'all start to see a little bit of a connection of importance here? Jesus laid his hands on people. The apostles became his hands. And when they laid hands on people, they were empowered to lay hands on others. And before you know it, we have a ripple effect that is happening. And we have repercussions that go throughout the earth. We have Jerusalem and we have the neighborhood of Jerusalem and then outside of that we have the Sumerians and then after that we have Judea and after that we have all of the earth. So what's new in the Gospels from the Old Testament is Jesus healing through the laying on of hands. But what's new in Acts is giving and receiving of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Hallelujah. As the gospel makes progress from Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria and then beyond to the ends of the earth, catch this, God is pleased to use the apostles laying on of hands, there it is, as a visible marker and a means of the coming of the Spirit among new people and new places, first in Samaria, then beyond in Ephesus. And here we are sitting in a building in Denver, 2022, and laying on of hands is what happened to me. It's what happened to my father, happened to his father. But the, the early century, those early 1900, they, they were filled with the spirit and lay hands on each other. Folks, can I just tell you, Charles Parham was a man who was one of the very first ones to see that there was a Holy Ghost experience available in 1901. And there was someone named Lucy Farrow who said, please, Brother Parham, lay hands on me because I think there's more that I haven't received. And Lucy Farrow, when he laid hands on her, she began to flow with the Spirit. The Holy Ghost hit her and she spoke with other tongues. And it wasn't long until she began to call upon Seymour and, 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 uh, and, and Bartlett and the others who came. And there was a beginning of what you call the Azusa Street Revival. And it was because of the laying on of hands. 
So why should we make this a big deal? I believe it's because it really is a big deal. And we need to understand there is healing power. There is transferring power. There is anointing and there is expansion. There is extension in the laying on of hands. So important that we catch this and understand this. And we do it very knowledgeably and carefully. Today, Sister Marcia brought up her stack of papers that had a FedEx sticker on the front. And she said, Pastor, this is for a brand new life, a brand new place to live. And she said, I'm praying for God to let it all happen. So we anointed, we laid hands on that folder. Now I just got, just got to break this down. Y'all don't, don't, don't give up on this message making sense yet, okay? Hang on for the ride. In the Old Testament, let me just tell you something very important. Now let's kind of get to a little bit more of the nuts and the bolts. The Old Testament, way back, thousands of years ago, priests would lay hands on a sacrifice. A sacrificial animal. And can, does anybody have a goat here today? Okay, sorry, I don't have an illustration goat. But that's literally what would happen. The priest, this is in Leviticus 16, 21. You can look at it. The priest would lay hands ceremonially, ceremonially on this animal and place God's righteous curse on the animal. And the curse went from the sinful people to the goat. On the Day of Atonement, let me show you. This is, this is like the pinnacle holiday, the climactic day of the Jewish year on the calendar the Jews held. Here's what would happen. The high priest would, in fact it says shall, the high priest shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat. See, I wanted to put a scripture up here just in case somebody's like, Pastor, you, I don't, are you making that stuff up? I'm not. Lay hands, both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over that goat all the mess ups, all of the hurts, habits, and hang ups, all of the problems, conflicts, and issues, all of the iniquities of the people of Israel, all their transgressions and all their sins. He shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness. And when that happened, folks, the people of God were once again made innocent by receiving the innocence of the goat. They gave all their junk to the head of the goat. Wow. How many of you wish we lived in the Old Testament? Not a whole lot of spirituality, is there? Y'all catch that? Not a whole lot of Worship and raising our hands and feeling the power and the tears coming down. Nope, all you got to do is get a goat. All you got to do is get a priest. Put your hand on the goat. Put all those sins on the goat. And boom, here we are. Let's go about our lives for another year. Next time, I'll meet you here next year with a goat. And we'll do it all over again. This is God's way of showing us something so urgently necessary to understand. And here it is. The head, like I showed you with little Randall up here a minute ago. The head is the place of authority in your body. 
right? If your head and your hands ever become conflicted, you're in trouble. Right? Absolutely. The head is a place of leadership. It's a place of the rest of the body submits to. And when your place is understood as having a need, and when you have a minister or someone who is invited as a part of the leadership of Calvary to step forward, and when they place hands on your head, you are literally willing and accepting the fact that they are taking authority, or we are taking authority over you and your condition. And it doesn't work if you're not willing to be in submission to that. And it doesn't work if you go laying hands on people's heads who haven't been understood as being under your authority. It just doesn't work. I could show you an example. I mean, I could have like Casey, would you stand up, Casey? Would you start walking around just patting people on the head? No, he's not, no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Casey would never do that. Walk around patting people on the head. Why? Why, well, why would, I mean, we could go to Walmart and try. Y'all want to follow us to Walmart and see what happens? Just walk around and pat people on the, you can't do that. Trust me. Don't you dare start. Oh, my pastor told me I start walking around patting people on. That's freaky, right? Well, if somebody walked up to me and started patting me on the, get your hands off of me. What's the problem with it? Thank you, Brother Casey. What's the problem with it? I already explained it. That is exactly what it is. You pat kids on the head. You don't pat adults on the head. There's something about it that is important. It's serious. It's literally treating you as though you're a child again. And trust me, I don't like people laying hands on my head who I haven't got the understanding that I'm turning my needs over to the authority that they represent. And they truly do represent the authority to see those problems and issues and needs met. All right? Now watch. The reason why the, the priest laid his hands on the head of the sacrifice was for identification and substitution. You need to remember those things. If I had time, I would have it on the screen, those two words. Identification and substitution. Hallelujah. I'm feeling like somebody today is about to get rid of something. You're about to substitute something bad for something good. Anybody here today ready to substitute some mess for some order? How about some chaos for some organization? How about some tears for triumph today? How about it? Anybody want to turn in your, your, your pity card and start getting a little victory in this house? I love it when we see victim mindset people turn into victorious people. Folks, there's a substitution God has in mind for every one of his beautiful, lovely people. He does not want us to live life without that substitutionary power that is placed by the laying on of hands. Uh, folks, I'll never forget my dad saying he loved the, the services when he was able to go through and lay hands on every single person. That's why I chose a small Sunday to do that. No, just kidding. I didn't do that. To preach this message. I would love it if we had time to lay hands on every single person. Let me just tell you something. When you are ready to say, I'm, I'm here to identify, identification, and I'm here for 
substitution. You're in the right place. Marcia, you didn't realize what you were doing, sister. You know what you were doing? You were identifying, I need a place, I need a home, and guess what? That's my identification need. Now I'm going to substitute these papers for the old place I've been living for a brand new place that's God's plan and God's ordained word. I want him and his authority to operate for me and help me to have a new place. Identification and substitution. The, the, the priest in the Old Testament, he identified the need and then he asked for substitution. He then prayed. And when he prayed, oh, hallelujah, an exchange took place. A transfer happened. The sinlessness of the animal was exchanged for the sins of the people. Literally, a transfer occurred, and a transaction was over with. Y'all think about that for a little while. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God who ordained and planned and purposed the goat identification and substitution because I'm here to tell you he was willing to take our sins upon him at the cross and I thank God for the cross today it's at the cross where I first saw the light somebody somebody say amen it's at the cross where I lay my burdens down it's at the cross where there's a transfer. It's at the cross where there's substitution. It's at the cross where I find out there's a transaction that happens. At the cross, I leave it all that has been burdening me and carrying me to a place of sadness and hopelessness. And now I stand up at the cross and I worship because the God of the cross understood that I needed a place of substitution and identification. So, is anybody starting to kind of plug this into your own minds and heart today? Think about this. I'm almost finished. This is literally the end right here. How in the world can we miss something so important? It's a part of the blueprint. It's a part of the six principles that are called the principles of the oracles of God. Laying on of hands with the New Testament Thank God for the New Testament. I have an understanding, and I hope everybody here today has grasped at least a temporary, at least an elementary understanding. Uh, please don't let it be temporary. But an elementary understanding. Oh, there's so much more. You could take a, we could make this an entire day of study and never get through all of it. But today, with the understanding I'm hoping to share with you, that God's presence and God's power is not static, but it is dynamic. It is motion. It is movement. It is waiting for someone to say, yes, I have leprosy, and yes, I am willing. And you find out when you say you are willing, then God Almighty says, I am also willing. I will meet you at your personal need, and I will bring about the transfer that is necessary. When I, standing before you as pastor, I identify a need, and I ask God, Lord, please let there be a substitution for this need. I love walking to a hospital room, and then I'll lay a hand on a sick person, and I'll say, in Jesus' name, the need is clear. And God, I ask you for substitution. Would you please substitute healing for this disease in Jesus' name? I love it when an opportunity comes and somebody's under oppression and they say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? You know what I do? I lay hands on them and I say, Lord God, you see the need. Now I'm asking for you to substitute deliverance. 
Somebody comes to me and they need salvation. Folks, I'm so glad to tell you salvation is available. And it's something that God gives fully and freely today. The need is I'm lost and i got to be saved. So we pray and we pray, Lord, substitute salvation for this condition that's being experienced right now. The list goes on and on and on. Substitution. Jesus Christ exchanges healing for your sickness. He exchanges provision for your lack. When you're empty, he'll make you full. This is an exciting time, folks. This is a message that is so wonderful to preach today because it is just so obvious that brothers and sisters, God is a God who says, I want you to be delivered. I want you to have salvation. I want you to have provisions. I want you to have peace. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody comes and says, I just have war. I have turmoil. I have conflict. Thank you. That's identification. I lay hands on them, say, God, I believe for you to substitute all of those things and let the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep the heart and the mind of this individual. So today, simple, simple, simple. Probably a big question that a lot of people are asking, and let me just make it real simple while musicians come and we prepare for some substitutions today. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to be substituting the old for the new, the sad for the glad. Hallelujah. Anybody come today for a substitution? That's our God's style, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. God is, you know, he's not satisfied for you to live in this, this situation anymore. He's not satisfied. And he says, are you willing? If you're not willing, well, then, of course, how can he? He's not going to override. He won't, he won't mandate and take over. He wants you to say, God, I'm willing. And when he says, here's your willing, he's willing. So let's stand together and just hang on these words I'm about to say. To take authority over someone's needs, you have to be in a place of spiritual authority in their life. Very important, very important. We don't just walk around laying hands on people's heads. We don't do that. That needs to be reserved, carefully understood. Spiritual leadership, now listen to this. Remember one of the very first scriptures I said that we read today? It said these words, these signs shall follow them that believe. It's through the power of the Spirit. They lay hands on the sick and they shall be substituting sickness for recovery. Are there any believers in the house today? I believe that the careful, intentional laying of your hand upon a place that is not violating the space of a neighbor is perfectly permissible for those who are led by the Spirit and who are believers in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means be very, very reserved. In fact, I wouldn't do it without a clear conversation and understand your spiritual authority if you want to lay hands on someone's head. I hope today we've made that clear that that is a very vital role for spiritual authority but the Bible also says you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so where is that it's so simple 
It really is. Brother Brian, come on up here. Come on up here, Brother, a, a brother, brother Randolph. Come on up here. Come on up here, Brother Isaac. Come on up here. Watch this. Can I show you the power of a believer that's laying his hands on the sick and they shall recover? Just raise your hands, all three of you guys. Raise your hands. Look at that. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Look at that. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Look at that. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. A place that is, that is not a, a symbolic of something that is that leadership and authoritative place in the body. When you do that, church, you are taking on the words of Jesus Christ. And I believe as we obey the words of Christ and as we count on and expect his words to be true, there will be some transformation in this house today. And I believe if you're ready today for substitution, we have some men and women of God who are core team members of leadership in this church who have been given responsibilities by your pastor to help us to do what I just showed you. Lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Could I get all of the pastoral leadership team members to come up with your wives? Would y'all come up here to the front? And I believe it's time in the next few minutes for us to have a great big identification and substitution service in Jesus' name. Anybody here ready to turn over your, your, your old filthy rags? That's what the Bible says. So that we can have righteousness Hallelujah. anybody here today ready to turn your ashes in he said I'll give beauty for ashes Hallelujah. Hallelujah. he's already started it in our early part of this service would y'all just come stand right across the front here right across the front in Jesus name and I want to ask anybody here today who'd like to come and say I'm ready for a substitution and let's just leave this, this front middle place open for those who would like to have pastoral leadership to lay hands on you. The rest of you, would you just turn around? And those who have simple sickness in your body, you have a circumstance that needs help. And it's not necessarily a spiritual matter of authority. These who are here can pray the prayer of faith. And I believe there will be a substitution. And everybody say it with me, substitution. Hey, does anybody remember when the Lord took your tears and he turned them into joy? Does anybody here remember when the Lord took your frown and he turned it upside down? Does anybody remember when God Almighty himself worked in your behalf? He's a God who specializes in substitution. 